We are on the cusp of a major social change. Do you feel it? Even if you don't, make no mistake, change is coming, and it is going to be unforgettable. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Hart, and here on Prime Spark, where we work with and on behalf of women over 55, I want to help you find that spark that will ignite your way forward, reflect your gifts to the world, and illuminate your path through this next stage of life. Through these podcast conversations, I hope to inspire you to see how you can make a significant contribution to some of the gnarly problems that are facing us right now. Join me, and together, let's discover our Prime Spark. Hi, and welcome to Prime Spark. I'm Sarah Hart, and I'm so happy you're here with us. Prime Spark is designed for women over 55 or close, with a goal to help us all live our happiest, most fulfilling, and productive lives now and in the future. The mission of Prime Spark is to change the way our society sees and treats older women. That's a big mission, which only means we all need to be involved and we need to get going now. And today I have the pleasure of talking with Nancy Griffin, a woman whose work I greatly admire. Nancy Griffin, Master of Management in Hospitality, is a wellness and hospitality expert with more than 30 years of experience. In August 2020, Griffin founded the podcast Glowing Older, a deep dive into the business of aging well, now on its 14th season. In April 2021, she started Senior Trade, a business-to-business platforms for senior living and aging services professionals. She recently launched Expose Ageism, a a movement to combat ageism in the wellness and beauty industry. Currently, 40 companies have taken the pledge to eliminate the phrase anti-aging in their product descriptions and marketing by the year 2025. Welcome, Nancy. I'm so happy you're here with us today. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me, Sarah. I'm honored to be on your show. So just in getting started, let me ask you, do you experience getting older? And if you do, what is that experience? And if you don't, why is it that you think that you don't? Well, I think it's such a great question um, and goes back to the that, you know, how how do you define older? Um, so I would have to say I'm 58. I just turned 58. And for me to say I, that I completely do not experience um, getting older in the least would would not be true. Um, I certainly do. I ride horses. I've ridden horses all my life. Um, I feel the aches and pains um, in ways I used to not feel them. And also mentally, I'm not where I was um, in taking the risks I used to take um, and um, and experiencing just that fearlessness that I had that comes along with youth. So um, clearly I do. But um, I, as um, someone who's interviewed more than 135 experts, on the business of aging well, I know that attitude is pretty much everything when it comes to aging well. So I choose to focus on the positive and I choose to 
um, wake up every day and look at it as a gift. And, um, and that I think helps me from falling into these rabbit holes of negative perceptions that our culture and society tend to, uh, put on, on us, um, arbitrarily. So that's, that's my answer. That's a wonderful answer. Thank you. Thank you. I um I want to get back at some point to talking about the wellness and beauty industry, but right now I'm really interested in why did you segue from wellness and hospitality, which I think you'd been doing for some time, into covering the senior living and aging services industries? Well, that's a great question. That's kind of pivotal to um the glowing older um uh movement that I've been. Uh, on that path since 2020, March 2020. Um, and the reason I had time to do that is I lost most of my business during that period. I had one loyal client that kept me. But um, as you know, in March 2020, um, when the pandemic was announced, all the spas shut down. And most of my business has been um, in the spa and wellness industry, working with vendors, skincare companies, massage companies, et cetera, all of um, which lost their business because the spas shut down. So um, I had a lot of free time. Um, uh, and then a couple of things, um, from one from my past, my grandparents were instrumental in helping to found a Quaker-based community outside of Baltimore called Broadmead, um, a life plan community, then, then called a CCRC. Both my sets of grandparents aged out in that community. And um, although it was considered one of the best in the country, I, I saw a lot of holes in um, programming to do with the food and beverage, um, exercise wellness programs. Um, I saw that that really wasn't, um, being addressed and, and my grandparents, um, uh, were negatively impacted as a result of that. And then also, um, I saw wellness and hospitality being buzzwords, um, over in senior living, and I needed to come over to senior living and learn about everything that was going on in senior living and aging services, which is drastically different from beauty and wellness. We can have a conversation with that uh, uh, for an hour, but I, I really needed to learn. So I figured the best way for me to learn was to interview experts. And I, I really wasn't a podcast person, but I figured I'm going to just start interviewing the best and the brightest um, in aging services and senior living and find out what's going on. Um, and then, um, so that's really um, how I, I started doing all this. I launched Senior Trade because I wanted to have an open platform that wasn't a paper play or siloed um, platform for people to be able to post information about some of the most pertinent initiatives in the industry surrounding age tech, new housing models, purpose, lifelong learning, um, all those conversations that are important both for um, senior living professionals and for um, consumers that are looking for products either for themselves or their older parents. Oh, you see, there's so many questions in there I have to ask you. Oh, my goodness. I don't even know. Um, so when you first started, I mean, a lot of us in 2020 had a lot of time and had to figure out something else we were going to do or how we were going to do differently what we were doing. And so good for you, um, because what you're doing is so important and so needed. So when you first started talking to people, what was most surprising to you about the services in in the aging industry and also the services within senior living? What did you find out that was most surprising? 
I love this question, Sarah, and and thank you so much for asking it because I, I um, it, it it won't surprise you, <laughs> but it surprised me, um, and that is how ageism is so um, detrimental in every category of both senior living and aging services. Um, often starting at the top with the executive director themselves having. Um, not even unconscious beliefs about serving older adults. That whole philosophy of serving and caring for older adults and taking away their agency is flawed. Um, and I think any of the experts will tell you that. Um, and then um, this, even the staff's perception, um, but most striking, strikingly, the resident against resident ageism based on ableism oftentimes or um, different levels of acuity. Um, for example, um, once you're in a wheelchair, once you have some cognitive um, change that uh, affects your ability in some way, um, that resident to resident, there there can be these silos of well versus sick or um, or um, disabled, you know, those kind of words. So I think that was really the most striking thing to me, uh, you know, forget society and culture, but actually within these places, um, so much um, of the philosophy of um, care versus community, I think needs to change. So I think definitely going to go with ageism as being the most shocking revelation. So I could understand a bit about with with employees and staff, there can be informational programs, training programs. It can be part of a um, performance review if you're really trying to change that in terms of how your staff does. What do you do with resident to resident ageism and ableism? How do you approach that? How do you do something about that? Another great question. And um, any professionals that are listeners or people that are even interested in the senior living industry, Jill Vitale Awesome wrote a book called Disrupting um, the Status Quo of Senior Living, A Mind Shift. Um, and in, in that book, she talks a little bit about her philosophy, which comes from Dr. Bill Thomas, Eden Alternative, uh, and, and some of these concepts of patient-centered care and community. Um, which starts with citizenship and um, and really um, with Jill and her, she's now the CEO of Christian Living Communities and Capella Senior Living. And it really starts at the top with a set of mission and visions, just like you started your podcast and said, hey, this is what we're about. I think um, it starts from the top and with them having a vision and mission of inclusivity um, and acceptance that um that trickles down and and oftentimes that it, that includes including residents of all abilities in the process of um developing new programming or implementing new programming that um it's like we are a community of people that values all lives you know the, those kind of missions and visions i think really that's the only way to do it is um and and as jill will say moving from doing things pe to for people to having them as part of a citizenship type of a concept is messy she says you know it's it's not as easy as 
here, you know, you're in this silo, we're in this silo, we're doing this. It's it's a messy um, day-to-day kind of familiar type of a thing. But I think that's the best way to um, change the culture. I could imagine, <clears throat> uh, before we go on, would you just say those that book again in case anyone listening wants to get it? Disrupting the Status Quo of Senior Living and then colon, a mind shift. And the author is Jill Vitale, V-I-T-A-L-E, and then dash A-U-S-S-E-M, Jill Vitale, awesome. And it should be a Bible for any professional in the industry. But uh, I don't know if uh, any of your listeners are familiar with the Eden Alternative and the Greenhouse Project, but the Greenhouse Project was a, a skilled nursing model uh, where no one, no one, no seniors passed during the pandemic because it was a smaller pod type of a model with um, universal employees that do multiple tasks and are constantly learning and growing. And um, the Greenhouse Projects recently merged with Pioneer Network, uh, and and they're promoting this person-centered model, which is uh, really a, a, a mind shift. Which is why I think it starts with with Jill's book and how you you change a culture internally within the industry itself. Because uh, for some of your listeners that are either looking at a senior living model or looking for one of their older parents, um, it's there's a shift in progress from this institutional model to more someplace that you'd actually want to go and age out. Um, So I I think luckily um, there's a, a shift on the horizon. Good. <laughs> yeah, it's about time, right? None yeah, of us want to go to those places. I could imagine, and I don't have any idea about this, of course, but I could imagine that someone who is involved in senior living in in a community of some kind who works there would say, that sounds really good, Nancy, but you know how many staff you'd need to do that? That would call for a lot more staff, and we we hardly have enough where where we are now. How would you respond to that? I, it's it's so true, but the thing is, is that there are so many abled bodies and minds within these communities of residents. Um, and and Bill Thomas, Dr. Bill Thomas, is going to be on my show next week, and he was talking about a situation um, with his gamification. He has these um, forklift games and mind games and all this stuff that he's doing. And he said, what one of the ladies forgot to charge the forklifts, and and one of the staff. And was like, oh, no, I forgot to do that. And he said, you should have had one of the residents do it. If they were in charge of it, they never would have forgotten. And so I think that that's such a great shift in that that part of the citizenship is um, if you have residents that can cook, there's that um, there's a restaurant uh, on um, in Long Island, I believe, where the grandmothers come in and cook and take over the restaurant. And it's like, I think we should see more of that in senior living where the residents themselves do stuff, whether it's tutoring the staff on immigration, like Goodwin Living is doing, where the residents are actually tutoring, um, to having them help each other with technology or with engagement, um, the gamification that Dr. Bill Thomas is so, has so, is, says is so important. Um, so I, I would say um, get you know getting creative and engaging residents in new ways is is the way around that and families for that matter are there um laws or liabilities involved there that people in in charge would be concerned about 
I mean, in, in terms of having, for example, residents do some of the cooking, is is there a liability issue there that isn't there when the hired staff does it? I can 100% um, say yes, which is probably why it's not happening. Um, that said, I think there's ways to get around it, like a resident renting the the space. Like a lot of the um, food and beverage spaces nowadays will have like a, a kitchen attached to, say, a corporate meeting space or um, a space where you can dine with your families. So, but I, yeah, I mean, I, I think risk is always uh, a factor. And Jill addresses that in her book that she actually had um, a, an argument with residents about silly things that she had heard from her risk management people couldn't be done. And a resident said, well, that's just stupid and felt like his agency was being taken away. Uh, so yeah, I think it's a constant issue, especially in in our litigious society. So yeah, I, I think that's probably the reason it, more of it doesn't happen. Well, that and that people don't think of it. I mean, you know, yeah, you're, a resident, if, yeah. you're a resident and you cook and, you know. And they are stretched thin. And I think that's what with the, one of the exciting things about the greenhouse project. Susan Ryan was on my show a few seasons ago. Um, who was the the CEO of the Greenhouse Project. And she said that the staff are engaged because they're constantly learning new things. I mean, wouldn't be great if there was more intergenerational things where the staff not only got to learn how to cook, but got to learn um, in, uh, generations back recipes from different cultures uh, from the residents themselves and share their recipe books and um, and then tie that into the garden, you know, we're, meet with the gardeners about um, what they're doing in the garden and if that makes it into the kitchen. That kind of stuff is is not easy and it has to be done by design. It, it won't just happen. And a lot of these senior living places are frankly just not set up for that type of activity, integration. They're just like, we do it this way. The truck rolls up, brings the, the food, we make the food, we deliver it to the residents who need care. It's that just that mentality shift right. that needs to happen. I think of just when you mentioned the garden, I, I think of like um I uh I, I people who have are used to having their own gardens and then move into a community and have no way of getting their hands in the dirt anymore. I mean they could have a window box maybe, but that's not the same thing. So well they they um these planters that you can roll wheelchairs up to in some of these places outside, but I mean, obviously getting outside and putting your hands in the dirt is absolutely crucial to, to good health. We, we both know that Sarah. Right. I'm um, involved in a um, anti-racist um, book group. And one of the things we have talked about is what seems to be humanity's need to have somebody on a lower rung than me. I mean, historically, if you look back forever, there have been these people who are above these people who are above these people. Who, I mean, I, I, I seem to want somebody below me. So when you talk about the, um, the, the ageism and ableism within the resident community, um, that's it. It just occurred to me when you were saying that because I thought, oh my gosh, is that another example of I, I want to be more healthy than somebody, and so you, you are less healthy than I am. So that is yeah, yeah, and so true, and and it's like 
um, it's, it's human nature, right. Um, and, and though, and it comes from culture and society, a lot of it is you, you're in a wheelchair. I mean, if you look at the marketing of a lot of these senior living places, it's hide the wheelchairs, hide the memory care, hide the people that have higher levels of acuity and make it look like resorty, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, and, and, and none of these issues, Sarah, and you know this because you're dealing with this every week, none of these issues are easy and they're super complex. And as Ashton Applewhite says, who's kind of our, our guru of um, ageism, it, it takes time to shift culture. And that's why these kinds of conversations are so important. Right. Well, <laughs> let's shift gears and talk about the beauty industry, the health and wellness and beauty industries. So how do you think the wellness and beauty industries are culprits in contributing to ageism? How do you see that? Well, interesting you asked that question. I just got back from our International Spa Association conference. Um, this is my 26th conference. Uh, and so um, when I started my podcast, Glowing Older, and did all these, these interviews and and told you that ageism was the issue that was coming up as being so damaging. I looked back at at the wellness industry, and and some of my my dollars come from from consulting in the wellness industry. I really realized that um, what we do, coming from wellness and beauty, is we talk a lot about um, that we're not okay the way we are, and and um, and that stems from our brows to our hair to our chin hair like that might be popping up our peach fuzz or you know all the all the regular changes of aging we defy we correct uh but um looking um at what's really the most egregious anti-aging is um is really probably the most stupid and egregious thing that we do because that it's denying life um to say anti-aging and um anti-aging is saying anti-living so um, big companies, uh, big global companies like Unilever, L'Oreal, Estee Lauder are all in the in the process of having the conversation of eliminating that phrase as a start um, because it is so frankly stupid. Um, but that you know that's really it is this um, youth at all costs and and I think it is a global phenomenon um, in the beauty industry. I think the United States especially is so youth oriented, maybe we're worse, maybe we're not, but anti-aging is a huge keyword phrase for um, e-commerce, for any kind of beauty product. Uh, and, and let's face it, we'd all love to defy aging if we could. There's a whole biohacking industry um, in Silicon Valley uh, of people that want to try to live forever. So it, it's not that unusual, uh, but, but my biggest problem with it is back to that first sentence I said, which is you're not okay the way you are because you're aging. Yeah, the anti-aging, I, I don't remember who said this, uh, might've been Ashton on point, but somebody said, if anti-aging, if you're, if you're uh, really in favor of anti-aging, then you're, um, um, you really are, are, are pro-dying. <laughs> Uh, agreed. It's, because really, you either no age or you die. And right. so, um, you know, it's one or the other. And so I, 
I agree with everything you said about the beauty industry. I We've all read the statistics on the billions of dollars that companies make from their anti-aging products and from calling it anti-aging. And so my skeptical side says, okay, if they stopped using anti-aging, they'll use another term that then becomes the darling um, because they're going to keep selling these products because it's so much of their profit. And so um, aging beautifully. Um, we promote, uh, it's funny that you say that because that you you, um, you mentioned exposed ageism in, in my bio, um, but we we are um, encouraging our the companies that sign on for the pledge to eliminate the phrase anti-aging by 2025. And um, the three phrases that we're promoting are number one, aging well, um, number two, positive aging, and number three, healthy longevity. So the, those are the three that we've chosen. Um, th there's a lot, Sarah. I mean, we're not going to give up uh, um, age correction, age defying, all those kind of things. Um, I think um, Estee Lauder is decided um, to go with age defying, I think is theirs or, or, or one of those that that's marginally better. But, but you know, it, it, I think having the conversation, Estee Lauder Global has an entire division um, that discusses ageism and menopause um, across all their employees and all their groups. So I think it's, it's, it's good to have these conversations and, and it's not going to change overnight and just uh, addressing, let's face it, anti-aging saying anti-living when you promote these negative perceptions of aging, uh, you, you're um, taking life off your years and years off your life. And, and, and as we absorb these negative perceptions, it makes us older. <laughs> so it's, and it makes it's so, us sicker yeah. and it makes us die sooner. Exactly. So is the wellness industry I can't, you know, I can't, as being in this industry for 30 years, tolerate the hypocrisy. Like, get with the program. It's, it's, if you're about wellness, then you can't be promoting anti-aging. It's, it, they, they don't match. You know, you have, there's no integrity behind it. That's a wonderful way to approach it. That's, that, Thank you. I, that is, yeah, I love that. That's really good. So the broader trends in the beauty and health industries, do you see promise on the horizon or more of the same, but with different words? Oh, such a, such a loaded question there, <laughs> the beauty and trends. I think that um, the, the, you know, the baby, the oldest baby boomer is turning 77. Uh, and I think that the boomer generation um, it is going to carry wellness over into um, the aging services and senior living industry in a positive way. But I think the change is going to be really slow. Uh, and know that this whole promotion of uh, my stepdaughter is 33. She's getting married in October. And uh, and I'm, I'm glad that I could bring to her the passion for facials and wellness, uh, uh, taking good care of her skin. But she informed me that her esthetician told her she needed to get Botox before the wedding so that her makeup went on smoother and she didn't have any wrinkles. And, and I, you know, when she told me, I tried not to shudder and say, what, what, you know, I tried to meet her halfway with it, but th those kind of things, you know, that the pressure put on younger people to avoid looking older 
Uh, I don't think that that's going to go away anytime soon, Sarah. And I, um, I, I'd like to be a Pollyanna and say that it will change soon. But I think having the conversations about it, that there are certain brands right now, the brands that are signing the pledge with expose ageism are brands that I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. They were brands that were already thinking about this. I'm not changing minds at this point, but if I can go to my conference and have conversations and some of the people are like, yes, we're already doing that. Where do I sign? And then other conversations with people that are uncomfortable, but they walk away and think about maybe changing and in the next few years, then, then I have to be okay with both of those things, I guess. Yes. Yes. Well, one of the things I'm trying to do, and this is really um, good luck, Sarah, is change (laughs) our, our perception of old and getting older. And make those both more positive. Because until we feel more positively about old and getting older, then it's hard to see very much change. Because as you've said, our youth culture is so um, strong and everywhere. And so um, somehow we need to change that perception. And that I don't know about that, but that's what I think. So. Well, I think one of the like one of the initiatives that's so great is um and the World Health Organization talks about ways that you can combat ageism and I think you and I are are doing the first two which is really awareness and education, but the next part of that is intergenerational connections that the more that um that the youth can understand the beauty of of older adults and all they bring to the table and vice versa that those kind of connections can really overcome so like Sky Bergman and her life lives well lived documentary her going and taking that into the schools and trying to address that that issue of the the um kids dressing up like the 100 year olds and with the canes and the wigs right i mean those those kind of things if you can just slowly change the minds oh my grandma's so terrific or this is a story i have about positive aging then um, i think that that kind of thing can really make a difference yeah, I think it was um, Sky actually, when I was talking to her once, it talked about that there are a lot of younger people now who don't have any older people in their lives because yes. we, we're such a mobile society. And whereas I grew up, you know, two miles from my grandparents, so many kids now, as my grandparents are on the other coast or in another country or, you know, and so um, I think the intergenerate, because there's no way... There's no way that we can do something about ageism by not paying attention to younger generations. I mean, exactly. it's not going to happen. And so um, anything we can do in that direction. Yes. Nancy, of all the things you've done, what are you most proud of in your life? <laughs> um, well, let's see. Um, I'm proud I made the switch to senior living um, and aging services. I was telling people, Recently, I just had a facial and I was chatting with the esthetician, the young girl about this product and that product and this laser and that laser. And um, and and then when I segued over to senior living, the conversations that I'm having are about really um, changing the world. Honestly, there's pe- the, and, and people like you, Sarah, the, the people that I'm talking to that are really trying to make a difference with the conversations that we're having. To me, that's wellness. You know, when I 
started in the industry um, 30 years ago, well, um, the spa industry really was about wellness. It was about eating well, exercising, stress management, getting out in nature, those kind of things. And now those are the conversations that we're having in senior living and aging services. So I love that. Um, I'm proud um, to be a, a, an ex-stepmother. So I'm divorced. I divorced at 50. Uh, and I have two um, stepdaughters in their 30s, and I'm proud to be part of their life because they could have chosen differently <laughs> being an ex-stepmother. Um, and then lastly, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of exposed ageism. Uh, I'm proud of um, that, I, that I took the dive into having conversations that are really unpleasant and thinking about the conference, the International Spa Association Conference. Nobody approached me to have conversations about this age this uh, issue of ageism uh, nobody you know that that there were people that wanted to have the conversation once i approached them but but people don't really want to have these types of conversations and oftentimes they're not the most pleasant <laughs> so that's it <laughs> well they're also hard conversations because as, yeah. as you said several times they're not easy answers i mean e mm -hmm. you can like all of the things that we talked about in in terms of senior living it, there can be a clear thing that might be better, but how do you do it? And so, you know, it's it's not it's not easy to think about how to how to go forward. But we need to be thinking about how to go forward. And so, um, just having the conversations. So, Nancy, what's next? What is um, oh, what's next? Your next dreams? Something you you have in the back of your mind that you think, ooh, that might be. I'm sort of thinking about that. Anything like that there? Well, we have some plans for glowing older for the brand, glowing older. Um, that will be more um of a white glove type of consultancy advisory service for let's face it, um, adult um, daughters <laughs> primarily. Um, and older adults thinking about their next chapter, whether it's going into senior living, aging in place, choosing multi-generational living, those kind of choices. And um, it's really about having these types of conversations because I I'm finding out, and I'm sure you know, that um, waiting and not having the conversation impacts quality of life. It takes um, it takes life off your years, years off your life. And um, it, it impacts you financially psychologically, mentally, spiritually. So I, I want to help people have those hard conversations. And then also expose ageism. We've got um, 40 brands. I just signed more brands on at the conference. I hope that this grows. And then I hope that um, the brands that are signed on, that we can get together and and fund some uh, some intergenerational education, perhaps in the school system, to um, fight this whole um, negative perception of aging and, and change the narrative. Fantastic. Good luck. Good luck. Oh, this has been so wonderful. So Nancy, Aww. if somebody wants to get in touch with you, and I should certainly think they will want to, how can they do that? Oh, thank you. Um, Nancy at SeniorTrade.com. And you can sign up. We do a brief um, with uh, all the things I mentioned on intergenerational concepts, housing, lifelong learning purpose. So you can sign up for our brief at SeniorTrade.com. So that's our time for today. Please join us again. You can find our Prime Spark podcast on every popular outlet. Find out more about Prime Spark at www.primesparkwomen.com. Thank you so much to my guest, Nancy Griffin. 
And don't forget, you can find her at nancy at seniortrade.com. Thank you, Nancy. This has been delightful. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for being with us. Take care, spread tolerance, and love. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to stay updated, you can head over to my website, primesparkwomen.com, and get my free spark guide, Seven Questions to Ignite Your Spark, to help you discover your own spark. See you in the next episode.